Am I standing barefoot on the earth, toes slightly depressed into the moss? Or is the entirety of Earth's Herculean mass and all its inhabitants gently resting against my feet? Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark. Have you ever been on a hike or even walking down a road and felt like you were never going to make it to your destination? I find this is a common feeling when the surrounding landmarks don't change very much. It makes it hard to note benchmarks of progress. It can be especially discouraging when you haven't been to your hoped-for destination before and don't even know what to look for that might mark your progress. And even more challenging than that feeling is when you add some elevation to the mix. When you're sweating and your heart is beating hard and you feel like you're never going to make it, all can feel hopeless. But noticing the change in vegetation as you go can be both a good distraction and a helpful marker of progress. One such plant that helped me note my hiking progress last month was blue bead lily. I was guiding a group hike up Katahdin in early August. As Maine's tallest mountain, it doesn't matter what trail you take to ascend it. It's slow going due to the rapid elevation change. I always find that the beginning of a tough hike is the hardest. Our bodies take a while to calibrate to what is probably a more physically demanding experience than what we do on an average day. As your heart starts pumping and leg muscles start burning, it can be impossible to believe that two, six, or even ten more hours of the slog is even doable. But I'm always looking for interesting things along the trail, and these things can be clues about how far you've come. At the beginning of the A-Ball Trail up Katahdin, there were a lot of moose maples and birches in the canopy, but on the forest floor were blue bead lilies a favorite native understory plant that I don't see very often down east, but that I saw often in my hometown backyard in Winterport. The leaves alone have all the markers of a lily, like having parallel veins and ovate leaves where the blade is widest below the middle and tapers broadly to both rounded ends. The leaves of bluebead lily can be 6 to 12 inches long and have a basal arrangement, meaning they only grow from the base of the plant. But there was a particularly bold clue that told me these were bluebead lilies. The waxy royal blue berries standing up to 16 inches tall above the leaves. Growing up, I learned these plants as snake berries. Once I learned their Latin name, Clintonia borealis, and most used common name, bluebead lily, I thought I had just learned them incorrectly as a kid. But as it turns out, there is a Mi'kmaq story about a snake eating a poisonous toad, and slithering around the shoot of this plant to transfer the poison to the plant, thus snakeberry. Having learned the name snakeberry from my family members who grew up in the ancestral lands of the Mi'kmaq, I figure that must be why I learned it that way, which was a pretty fun discovery. While their berries are indeed blue berries, they're not blueberries and should not be eaten. Some sources report that they're mildly toxic, others report that they just taste bad. I would guess the texture would be pretty unappetizing as well. Wildlife don't appear to enjoy the berries much either, which is why this is a great time of year to find them, still hanging on as one of the last remaining fruits of the season. However, other parts of this plant have been used in many ways. The young leaves in early spring can be eaten raw or cooked. Many indigenous tribes have historically used a poultice of these leaves to treat various skin wounds like burns or infections. The Algonquin people applied the crushed leaves to the skin as a mosquito repellent. The Iroquois made a compound decoction out of the whole plants to treat diabetes. 
and Chippewa children often would bite patterns into the leaves for fun. For me, bluebead lily or snakeberry reminds me of home, that safe, familiar place. Even on Katahdin, I knew I had almost finished the hike when I started seeing it again at the lower elevation closer to the trailhead, right at home under moose maple and hobblebush and alongside rattlesnake root, twisted stock, and trillium. So the next time you're outside, you could be on the lookout in those plant communities for those distinctive waxy blueberries of this native lily, and consider what plants mark your progress and remind you of home. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Let us know if you have a phenology observation or other nature topic you'd like us to cover in our show. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology. <laughs>